hello and welcome in again to the Worship Life Podcast with Mike Harland. I'm your co-host, Brian Brown. This is Music City right USA. Here. here we are. Mike, this is the Worship Podcast sensation. That is. Sweeping multiple nations. Yes. we have to say Yes, we have to say, yes, point, have to say Due that. to the international uh, makeup of our you listeners. You know, we love to hear from our listeners. We and, do. And we wish we'd hear more from them, but... But we hear from people from time to time, and of course, I talked about our friend in Uganda that wrote us recently. Right. We are actually doing today a podcast based on something somebody wrote in and asked us to talk about. That's right. We, we tell you all the time to email us, worshipatlifeway.com. I believe this one came in on social media. I can't yeah. remember if it was Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, whichever way people interact. But the, we had a question come in, and we're going to address it today. And I like the title you've given this podcast, Mike, To Choir or Not To Choir? To Choir or Not To Choir. Inquiring minds want to know. Oh, now see, that, didn't you like that? Inquiring minds. Inquiring minds. I, well, and yes. you know, this is not a this is not a brand new subject. It's not like we've never talked about <laughs> choirs. Right. We talk a lot about choirs, right. um, but it's been a while since we've talked about this. And I think, I think the conversation is changing. Yeah, and I really sense that it's changing. But yeah. anyway, I'm getting into it. You go well, ahead and no, finish you're, you're, you're right, and the fact that we still get the question from the field. Yeah, you know, every church, um, every community, every part of the world really is at different stages of development, and they come to this question at different and various points in time. I think churches get to a point where they feel uh, sometimes stuck and feel like there something needs to change. And so, for a lot of churches, we've been through this before. There've been a lot of churches that thought that one of the changes. Yeah, they if we'll to change make was, the music, if we'll. Yeah. And, and you know what? This is what's really fascinating, is people will associate the the presence of a choir with a style of music, right? And or or with an approach to worship. So, right, right. so hey, do you have a choir at your church? Yes. Oh, y'all must be traditional. Yeah. That's not really fair. Absolutely that, not. And, and uh, you brought this up, Mike. You and I were talking about this earlier. But uh, the biggest record in in music, they don't do records anymore. The uh, biggest project, release, recording, uh, project. recording project in music, that uh, was number one on the Billboard charts and is sweeping the nation, uh, this nation right now. Is of course Kanye West and, and Jesus Ka- is King. Yeah, Jesus is King. And, and Kanye, as he's been traveling around, a newly converted Christian, he's bringing his choir with him. Yeah, it's all choir. As yeah. a matter of fact, I watched watched a video not that long ago of the worship service that they are doing that is based around this record, and it is almost entirely choir. Yeah. It, it, so it, somebody forgot to tell Kanye that choirs were irrelevant. Totally. One of the one yeah. of the biggest uh, social media things that's blown up in the past couple of years is James Corden does this carpool karaoke yes. thing. Well, he does an airplane karaoke thing with yep. with Kanye's entire church choir. Yeah. And, and so, again, uh, the idea that, that choir somehow is an ancient thing and not relevant to modern society. Some of the most, uh, maybe cutting edge or the most um, socially relevant uh, things happening in the greater music industry. That, that that number one rating on the Billboard chart was not for a Christian album. Yeah, it was for any any album. release. Yeah, uh, and and, and by the way, number incredible. two was distant. Number two, it's, yeah, that's right. It is by far the biggest and most popular project that's happening right now, and it really is driven around uh, the sound of a choir. There really is nothing quite like um, the choir. And what a choir can bring to a worship experience. So, so you think about an artist like Kanye, who is trying to express his faith and the music, and and he brings a choir to the party. I, yeah. I thought about this recent example too. You know, of course, here in Nashville, 
there are music, high-profile music events all the time. Right. And uh, we had one not very long ago that was taped. I'm not sure when it will air, but it was taped not very long ago. That was the big country music awards things. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, as happens here in town, if you go to uh, any of the churches around here in town with a choir, you'll probably get this opportunity eventually yeah. where the call will go out, so-and-so is doing a song uh, on the CMAs, and they need a choir. And, yes. and, uh, and so I, I have a lot of friends. I've never done it personally, although I've had chances to do it. But I've got a lot of friends that have wound up singing on the, on the CMAs uh, because of the a choir passion, moment. The passion yeah. events have featured choir, and it is... It's just, it is kind of one of these things where the perception doesn't match the reality. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, and we've drifted so far. But in fairness to the to the choir critics out there, yes, choir can be done poorly. It can be. And, and for a lot of these churches that have moved on from choir, uh, I think it's because they had a bad representation. Choir can become just the things we sometimes uh, are more quick to criticize in the modern worship movement, how it can become so performance oriented. Yeah. That can happen to a choir, too. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, you, you've hit on a really important point here, Brian, is that choirs become marginalized when they are done poorly. And secondly, when they become a distraction to the church's mission rather than a contributor to the church's mission. Right. So if you've got a choir situation in a church where it really is an, it's done very poorly and perhaps leadership is the big, big issue there – or the choir has become this little subculture yeah. that is yeah, distracting. It's, it's got like a, a special place that only they belong in right. and this special event that really is only for them and involving them and becomes more of a drain on the rest of the church. Then, yes, choirs can become marginalized. And really, in those cases, I would even say to the pastor, you may have to kill that thing right. because it's doing more harm than good. But here's the really what I find. I've, I've got some very scientific research to back this up. It's a survey uh, that I did of myself, mm. and so with one thousand. I'm glad you were available. Yeah, exactly, I was. I yeah. asked myself, yeah. and here's my opinion. <laughs> so, um, one of the biggest reasons I think choirs A are done poorly, or B not done at all, is that whole question of leadership. Yeah. Uh, that that a church that does not have a leader who knows how to. Uh, organize choir and prepare choir to have maximum impact in a worship service those churches uh, choirs can be a can be a drain and even a negative and leadership becomes a real key here and it's one of the reasons that our churches out there especially churches that already understand the power of choir ministry had also better be in the business of raising up leaders right. who can lead choirs i was blessed to come along in a church years ago where uh, I not only had a choir experience as a participant, but I also had opportunity to develop my chops as a choir leader when I was in high school. And uh, and our ministries better be serious about preparing leaders because that becomes really the issue. A lot of churches, I know churches that say, man, I wish we could do choir. We just don't have anybody in our church that knows how to lead one of those. And our worship guy doesn't know what to do with choir and we don't do choir. Yeah. And and what a what a shame that is. Yeah, yeah. In some churches, Mike, and I think is what you're talking about, it does go back to leadership. I've read comments, answers to this kind of question when it appears on social media, and you've really got two two kind of groups that, that people fall into. One will tell you 
man, at our church, those choir members are some of the most active people in our church. There are leaders, there are tithers, there are Sunday school teachers. They're really involved in other aspects of the ministry. Right. They're they're committed. Other people will say the exact opposite. Well, we can't get them to volunteer for anything yeah. because they say I'm already doing choir. Yeah. So, Mike, we're going to take a quick break right now. But when we come back, I want you to talk a little bit about things leaders can do to to uh, train a choir to raise it up rightly. Yeah. <laughs> so that it knows how to behave and function properly within the church. We'll talk about that when we come right back. Hey, thanks for listening to the Worship Life Podcast with Mike Harlan on your favorite platform or app. We wanted to let you know that we're now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and most recently on LifeWay's own Digital Pass. You can find that at digitalpass.lifeway.com on the web or simply install the LifeWay Digital Pass app on your iOS or Android mobile device, or even to your Roku, Fire Stick, or Apple TV. Stream or download to your favorite device and listen each week as Mike and Brian discuss different topics about music and the church. Just know that wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. All right, so we're back, Mike, and we were just talking about choirs and and how they can become detrimental to a ministry or how they can become the most vibrant part of a ministry. And and a lot of that doesn't have to do anything to do with how old the church is, how old the church congregation is, but it has to do with leadership. Yeah, I think the leader of the choir uh, better be a team player and not just a guy who has this little group over here doing the little thing that they're doing that nothing else in the church matters. So, So your choir leader, whether it's a person on staff or a lay person has got to see a bigger picture of how our choir fits into the overall life of the church. So I'm if I'm going to be that leader, I'm going to be very sensitive to the other events that are happening in my church. I'm going to work really hard to make my choir uh, be happening at a time when it is not a, a drain on the rest of the church from a leadership uh, resources standpoint. I'm also going to look for ways to challenge my choir to be really, really great church members. I want mm-hmm. my I want my choir made up not of the marginal musicians that park only on the music end of the building and come in and do the music thing and then go back out and they're not part of anything else. I'm going to consistently challenge the people in my choir to be in small groups, yeah. to be to be really actively listeners to the preaching ministry of our church. I want to bring yeah. my pastor into the choir room and get my pastor to talk to my choir about how we're in battle together, a spiritual battle, and the choir's a part of that, and the Word of God works together with what the choir's doing as worship leaders. Yeah. I, want to, I want to draw out from them an understanding that they are worship leaders just like I am, and they're part of it, and I want to continually help them catch a vision of how their role is bigger than this choir loft, but it is a service mm-hmm. role that that permeates the entire church yeah when you have a choir that's thinking like a team like that uh you you uh your choir, your people in your choir actually come in, turn into your best givers, your your Sunday school teachers, the people that become deacons, the people that become servants of all kinds throughout the church. And I want my choir to be a, a place that attracts the cal- caliber of people that have a vision for the whole mission of the church. And that's on me to make sure that that's articulated and the expectations are there. And then the choir becomes this rally. And almost the choir rehearsal can actually be a pep rally for the whole church. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're gathering people midweek and you're actually creating this really exciting environment that motivates everybody that's part of this group to be part of the bigger picture. I, I, yeah. I had this experience not that long ago. 
that reminds me one of the most important thing church leaders can do for people in their church. And in, in, the, in the context of what we're talking about today, what a choir leader can do for the people in their choir is make sure that the last person on the last row understands that they're part of something much bigger and that their faithfulness and their commitment has a direct impact on the overall impact of the church. That's good. I saw a beautiful example of this in a kind of a, a sports analogy. I'm, I'm known for my sports analogies. <laughs> a lot of people know that my son-in-law, my daughter Elizabeth, her husband Thomas works for the Nashville Predators, right. which is the professional hockey team here in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, and they, they've had their own success in Stanley Cup oh, playoff yes. runs and all that. And just a couple of years ago, they were in the finals of the I Stanley remember. Cup. And boy, that was a real exciting time for Thomas and for whole family so the year after that the predators were playing the team the penguins that they had uh faced the year before and they were playing them in in a regular season game the next season and as sometimes thomas could do then i was able to get some seats to the game to the tickets to the game that's what son-in-laws are for right there you go you're supposed to come through that's with some it. stuff a well, dowry thomas, i think they yeah exactly no, no, that was, yeah. yeah that's something but <laughs> thomas had come through because and he could do that last minute kind of thing because these were media seats right. and he's on the media staff for the predators and he became aware so me and my daughter are sitting in the media seats of of this game and i'm next to a guy that's about my age whose daughter works for the penguins oh okay all right and he's in the media seats, right? And her, his daughter is there, traveling with the team, gotcha. Penguins. And and here's what was cool: she had brought with her the Stanley Cup championship ring. Oh wow! That the Penguins had won. Yeah. And she had her. She had just received hers. Wow. And she was there showing it to her dad. And he's and he and I had struck up this conversation. We're about halfway through the game. He reaches in his pocket and he says, you want to see something? I said, yeah. And he reaches in and he pulls out that championship ring, the mm. Penguins championship ring that she got because she was on the media team. Yeah. He said, man, you want to hold this? I said, absolutely, I do. And it was huge and it was beautiful and had all these diamonds in it. My daughter, the the wife of the Predators right. guy, I said, Elizabeth, you want to hold it? She said, no, Thomas would not want me to touch that. That's right. But anyway, but here's the point, a long story to make this point. It was important to the Penguins, the Stanley Cup champions that the assistant digital media manager on the PR team got one of those rings. Yeah. Part now, of the she team didn't too. she didn't make one goal. Right. right. <laughs> you know, she did right. she doesn't suit up. She doesn't make any contributions. She didn't even make any player decisions. She's covering yeah. the team as a media person. Yeah. And yet when the when the rings are passed out yeah. She gets one. By the way, that's just like the one that Sidney Crosby, the star player, got. Yeah. It's so critical. You got to do that in your choirs. Yeah. You've got to make sure that every member of your choir understands they're part of a ministry team that goes way beyond singing songs. Yeah. And that's an, that's on the leader to make that connection. Absolutely, Mike. One of the best choir leaders I ever had for performance purposes, you know, he was always trying to avoid that person whose eyes are shifting back and forth that looks like they yeah. don't know what they're doing. They have expressionless face with a song that's very expressive. And so he would remind us as a 
choir, he would say, look, what people do when they look at a choir, they'll single out individuals. So at any point during this song today, someone may be looking right at you. And so you've got to have an expression. Remember that someone may be looking right at you. It's one of the great things about choir because that person may be Bob the car painter. And wow, look at him up there worshiping, gives me freedom to worship too. But that visibility extends beyond that special music. And if you walk down from the choir loft and out into the lobby and don't listen to the pastor's sermon, and that's what you you were talking about earlier yeah. by making them understand you're a part of the worship ministry of this church. You're a visible part of the worship yeah. ministry. And that visibility and that responsibility doesn't end when you walk off no. this platform. People no. are watching you, not just when you're singing the That's special, exactly right. but they're watching how you conduct well, yourself. So, so connecting week. the dots is what a leader needs to do. Choirs yeah. matter in those settings where leaders make sure the choir understands the responsibility of what they're doing and holds them accountable to that. Yeah. But now there's another thing that I want to point out about why choirs can make a huge, huge difference in a church, because they can involve a collection of spirits just as much as a collection of talent. Mm. So every choir I've ever served, and I I think early in my ministry, I probably felt a little differently about this, but over the years, I began to see the value of all kinds of singers. Yeah. And I remembered one man in particular, I've talked about him before on this podcast. I had a a grown gentleman that was in his 40s when I was his minister of music, who was a Down syndrome man. He loved to sing. He couldn't read music. He could match pitch. He had a pretty good voice. He was musical. All of that, he sang loudly. I would have to kind of keep him in check at times. <laughs> he always sang the melody, no matter what the yeah. tenors or basses were doing. Yeah. So there were times we had to negotiate all of that. I remember we were recording the choir one time for a professional recording, and I remember uh, having to ask him, even though it was a pretty large choir, his yeah. voice hid well in it, had to ask him in one section, hey, I need you to sit this part out, yeah. and but do it in a way that was honoring to him and not, not embarrassing in any way. Um, but he brought a spirit to that choir, mm-hmm. a joy to that choir, he his expression as he sang his yeah. his posture his personality brought something to that choir our choir would have been less than what it was without him and that's why why I love choirs as opposed to only using small groups of people because that smaller group of people there are going to be many many people in your church who would love to do that yeah but don't feel like they're they wouldn't have the confidence as a singer and maybe even, honestly, the ability to sing in a small group like that where they're so exposed. But anybody can yeah. sing in a choir where everybody's not holding a microphone, no matter what their their um, skill set is and no matter what their vocal quality. I'm in a church right now with a large choir, and there's a gentleman in our choir who, I'm telling you, it's one of the most unique. I don't even know if you can call it a singing voice. It is a... It's an odd sound. Even his speaking voice is really unique and unusual. And he would never, you would never put him in a trio. He wouldn't pass an audition. No, and you would (laughs) never put him in a trio or even in a group less than 20 because his voice would be so exposed and would be a distraction. But man, does he bring something to that choir. He's expressive. This past Sunday, I was leading the anthem, and we got to this beautiful part of the song where it goes to this big, powerful moment. And the first person that started emoting and expressing was that guy in the back row. And I was, you know, it was such so visually so motivating and, and encouraging 
to see him participating. And I knew that the people in the pews had no idea what that was sounding like. And if they had, it wouldn't have been good. But boy, our choir would be less than what it would be. So I like it when you can connect the dots. I like it when you can involve people. Man, I don't know anybody in the disciple-making business that wouldn't rather be leading 50 than five. This idea that, that you have to be this special person, this special group, it breaks those barriers down. But I have one more point I want to make, and then we can close it out. That choirs matter the most when they are needed the most. And what I mean by that is choirs don't work if you just every once in a while say, you know what, we ought to do a choir. We had not done one in a while. Right. Choir is something that needs to be part of your DNA that you consistently do and that uh, the choir has a consistent expression and reason to exist. And then you're constantly allowing them to get feedback and see results as you bring it for them. So you're always challenging them, always connecting the dots. You're opening it up and making a big tent experience. You're pouring into these people. You're developing them spiritually. And then you're letting them experience the responsibility and the joys of serving in a consistent ministry that adds so much. I tell guys all the time, if the people in your choir wake up on Sunday morning and ask this question, are we having choir today? Right. You've already lost. Yeah. If if your choir is that inconsistent that they are asking that question, then their commitment. But but if your people wake up on Sunday morning and with the mindset that says, I've got to get there because what we're doing today in choir is so vital and so important and I wouldn't dare miss it. Uh, that that's when choirs are, are winning for your church. No doubt. And Mike, you've hit on one of the critical things, and that is involving people. You yes. know, I've been involved in church choir leadership now more than 30 years. I'm getting old, too. And I've just over the years developed this kind of observation that about 10 percent of the people in your church have enough of a musical ability that they'd like to express it. Yeah. And, and, and boy, if you're a church of even uh, 250 people, that's 25 people. That's more than you're going to have on your praise team. Yeah. And you've got these people with this musical gift and they don't have any place to share it or express it. And you know what else, somewhere Brian, else to go. Their experience as a choir member yeah. is spiritually enriching to yes. them. You're yes. not only you're not only blessing the rest of the church with what the choir does, you are blessing the spiritual experience of the people in the choir. Yeah. And it's something that's life shaping for them. Yeah. Uh, and I can't stress that enough. So I, I'm a big believer in choirs. We haven't even talked about the the way a choir can lead congregational worship, yeah, which is huge, uh, which which far exceeds the power of a worship team. It does. Uh, and I'm just telling you, it does. That's not a yeah. subjective opinion. That's just a fact. Yeah. That a choir that understands its role and leads worship with enthusiasm will have more impact on the participation of the congregation than any uh, professional team on microphones will ever have. Yeah. And and I want to encourage leaders out there. And listen, I want to challenge one more thought. That guy that's listening right now says, man, I would love to do choir. I don't know how. Well, you know what? It's not brain surgery. Right. You can learn how to do choir. That's why we at Worship Life, we have classes about yeah. uh, choir and about uh, and there are there are ways to learn basics where even yeah. you know what? One of the great choirs in America is Brook, Brooklyn Tabernacle yes. Choir. Yeah. 
Yes. You know, Kara Simbola leads that. Yep. You know what her music degree was in? Uh, I believe she doesn't have one. She doesn't have one. <laughs> Matter of fact, doesn't read music. I doesn't understand. read music. Yeah. She's very musical, and we don't want yes. to undersell no, her, her talent is unreal. Yeah. She just knows how to lead people. Right. And you can learn how to lead choir. You can learn. You can get better at it. I think about somebody in my church right now, a young person that came along that wanted to learn how to lead choir, had did not have a choir leading experience. His yeah. music background is more of a keyboard player not even a singer and over the last three or four years i've watched him learn how to lead choir yeah. he's now he's not uh leonard bernstein yet sure but but he doesn't have to be right uh and right. his church will grow as he grows so that guy that's listening right now and says man i you know I, there are people in our church that want to do a choir i just don't know what to do you know what call me <laughs> i'd right. love to talk to you about that there are ways you can learn how to do it and you can start where you are and grow with your choir and I'm telling you, it's a ministry you won't regret leading and uh, and enjoying in your church. Seems to me every time I read the book of Psalms, Mike, there's there. a whole bunch of They're to the there. choir director, for yeah. the choir director, yeah. those kind of admonitions yeah. yeah. and scriptures. And by the way, interestingly, yeah. in, in history, choirs musically trace their roots back to the church. Amen. Uh, choirs weren't started in the concert halls, in the opera houses, in the classic composers of you know the 17th, 18th century. That's not where choirs started. Choirs started in the house of God, by the people of God. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, there's going to be a whole lot of people singing in a pretty big choir Amen. in eternity. So singing choirs worthy. are part of the story, and I'd, I'd challenge any ministry out there yeah. to think about how choirs. And by the way, we didn't even talk about choirs for students and choirs for oh. kids. Uh, those are that's Critical. for other podcasts. Another we can talk podcast. about that another Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear from you the ways that you've used choir ministry effectively in your church. Some of the lessons you might have learned over the years. Uh, we'd love to hear from some of you uh, on our social media sites, particularly at the blog site uh, worshiplife.com, to share your stories of maybe how you got started, how you learned to lead choirs, and what some of those tools and techniques uh, may have been a part of your journey. Uh, you can share those in conversations on social media with us as well whether that be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you'll find Lifeway Worship there. And you can always email us, worship at lifeway.com. Let us know how we can pray for you and your church specifically. We want to do that. And let us know topics that uh, you'd like to hear Mike discuss on the Worship Life podcast and maybe even some special guests that you'd like to hear us talk to in the world of music and church ministry. Until next time, from Mike Harlan, this is Brian Brown saying, thanks for joining us on the Worship Life podcast with Mike Harlan. We'll be back together again to talk about worship and music and ministry very soon.